everybody. It's my privilege to share on the subject of worship. If there were three messages that I could encourage us with, this one would be at the top. And the reason for that is that we live in times where God is shaking. We understand that in his providence, he controls everything. And he's promised us that he will shake everything that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will be revealed. And that's the kingdom. His kingdom will be revealed as the other kingdoms shake and fall. And you don't have to read the news for very long or think about it very much to see that God is definitely shaking the nations. How many of you have also got personal shakings that are going on? Let me encourage you. He's shaking away things to reveal what cannot be shaken, things that are eternal. And so worship in the midst of shaking becomes an anchor to your soul. Worship in the midst of trial becomes an anchor of faith, bringing security and understanding and meaning because it takes you to a realm where you can see. And instead of being under, you're over. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We ask you for the spirit of revelation. We want to understand. We want to change. We want to move and embrace your will more clearly that we might draw close more nearly and that we would love you more dearly. So we bless you and thank you, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, instruct and teach us, we pray. Amen. Some years ago, I was called very late at night by a fellow in the church and he said, could you go down and visit my father? He's in hospital. He went into the garage earlier this evening, poured paint thinner over himself, set fire to himself to commit suicide. I said, I'll go. It was 11 o'clock at night. I drove down to the hospital, and there was this man lying on a bed of dry ice. It was revolting. I'd never seen anything like that before. His skin was curled up and blackened and there was a terrible smell of flesh I looked at him and I, I explained who I was I said I'm a friend of your son Gary I said uh, are you in pain duh he looked at me through burnt eyelids I said sir can I pray for you and he cussed me out I said right then I walked away as I went back towards the elevator, it was now 11.15 at night, and I recognized that little prompting that we all know. Your attitude stinks. Go back. No, Lord. Yes, Mike. I went back. I said to him, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, I have to tell you that the pain that you're in as far as I understand in the Bible, there is a place called hell where the skin burns and then grows again 
and then burns again forever and ever. I said, are you sure you wouldn't want me to pray for you? He looked up at me and nodded. I explained salvation and I prayed a prayer of repentance and faith toward God. And as I finished, he looked up at me with tears in his eyes and he said, thank you. I walked away and the next morning his son called me. He said, did you go visit my father last night? I said, as a matter of fact, I did. I said, why? He said, well, the nurse called me at about midnight and said my father was dead. And she said, there was a man came to visit him just before he died. And I saw him walking to the elevator and then the, the bleeper went off and I went to the bedside and I, I didn't know whether to stay with the man or go for the man who was visiting and then he was gone. Was that you? I said, yes, it was me. He died a minute after I prayed for him. And he said, thank you. It reminds us of the thief on the cross when Jesus said, today, in a minute, you're going to be with me in paradise. What do you think his words were? Thank you. I want to show you the ingredients of worship that begin with thanksgiving. Let's look at Exodus chapter 30 and verse 34 where God gives instruction to Moses about this whole realm of worship. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, essential oils, you might say. Gum resin, it's called stacte, onica, galbanum, frankincense, pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. So these ingredients that God has given us for our life of worship has different parts. Five are included here if you include salt. Onica, stacte, galbanum, frankincense, salt, all in equal parts. And make a fragrant blend of the incense, the work of the perfumer. Who is he? Who is the one in your life and my life that's taking the different circumstances and the responses of these spices of incense, of worship, and he's perfuming it all together. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit yes. It's to be salted, pure, and sacred. Grind some of it into powder so that it's available in small amounts every day. Not just on Sunday morning when we celebrate, but every day. Have a little bit for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Grind it into small portions. Do you like this word? Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? And place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Law in the tent of meeting and I'll meet with you. Yeah. It shall be most holy to you. It's not about the worship leader, although we appreciate worship leaders. The holiness is your heart engaged with the spirit of worship. 
don't make any of this incense for yourselves. It's just for the Lord. So there was this altar of incense that was in the holy place. And there it would, it would be an altar where they would bring these spices and then light them. And in fact, God said, never let it stop burning. Keep that altar of incense burning all the time, day and night, Leviticus 16 tells us. Oh, there's a picture of the altar of incense I'll show you. Well, doesn't make a lot of meaning to us, but <laughs> it was the place of the presence. And it was to never stop burning day or night. And the first spice was called onica. It was actually a shellfish that they took out of the Red Sea. In England, if you're really brave, we have things in the sea there called whelks. Has anybody ever heard of a whelk? It's like a, a sea snail. It's, it's real tiny. I used to, as a kid, we used to get them and get them out of the sea, and then you'd, you'd, you'd put a little pin in and pull them out. Remember that, Penny? And then you'd cook them, and um, they were very salty, but they were sea snails. This is what these were. They were called onica. They were drawn out of the Red Sea. And do you remember when the people of God went through the Red Sea and God miraculously caused the sea to close on the Egyptians? They were on the point of death. They thought they were going to be slaughtered. And they were being taken out of Egypt and there was excitement to begin with. And then suddenly here are these enemies coming to kill them. And God miraculously draws the Red Sea over all their enemies. There was a lady called Miriam, who's Moses' sister, and she, she stood on the seashore on the other side out of Egypt, and, 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 and she sees the wheel of a chariot floating on the sea. And, and a dead body uh, comes up on the shore, and she suddenly realized, my God, we're delivered. <laughs> We've been saved. We've been set free after 400 years. And she took up a tambourine. And she began to sing a song of thanksgiving. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. The Lord, my God, my strength, my song, has now become my victory. The Lord, my, my strength, God, my strength, strength my, my song, has now become my victory. The Lord is God, and I will praise him, my Father's God. And I will exalt him, Lord is God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Now, actually, it wasn't as slow as that when she sang it. <laughs> and she wasn't sitting down on her bottom. She got up and she began to dance. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The fourth and cried of Ronin. She broke her tambourine in her exaltation of God. It's called Onica. 
many years ago, early 70s, I had never danced before the Lord. I thought it was a bit girly. I was a soldier. I was 180 pounds of romping, stomping, airborne hell. I was in special forces. Men don't dance or cry. God changed me, changed the very chemistry of my heart. And I was at this camp meeting, and they were very joyful people. I wasn't very used to that. It got dark, and it was amongst an orchard. There were about 50 or 60 of us, and, and this joy began to break out as the worship leaders began to sing, and, and, and they began to dance. I looked on in horror. And I felt this whisper inside of me said, you could do that. Oh, no, I can't. But I slunk back into the darkness of the trees. And I thought, I'll give it a little try. <laughs> and I, I found, as I primed the pump, I began to twirl and dance and jump for joy. And when I'd finished out of breath, the Holy Spirit said to me, you can now leave the army and I'll take you into a deeper ministry in the kingdom of God. Are you waiting in the waiting room? Then get dancing and God will speak to you in the midst of your joy. It's called Onika. It's the grateful heart. Psalm 100 verse 2 puts it this way. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will come into his presence singing with joy, not signing with joy. Singing with joy. You see, there is a gate to presence. And it's not a reluctant gate. It's a gate well-oiled. And it's called the gate of thanksgiving. And when you thank God and you begin to give thanks to God, the gate opens to the courts of praise. And then when you've gone through the courts of praise, you come to the altar of incense, the place of worship. I used to live in Cyprus for a little while. And it's in a little village called Belape, beautiful place. And in the middle of the village was a well where we would get our water. And the well had this big, large handle that you would pump up and down. And after a few pumps, the water would come gushing out. But besides the well, on the little wall surrounding the well was a jug full of water. It was to prime the pump. And the most awful thing you could do was to take your water and forget to put water in the jug so that the next person could prime the pump. Priming the pump means you took the water from the jug and you poured it down the, the, the pipe and that primed the pump. And now priming the pump, you could now use the handle and pump up your own water. You see, sometimes Onika needs priming. How many of you came in this morning and said, well, I, uh, I don't feel really much like giving thanks. I mean, it's been a rough old week. There's not a lot to be thankful for, frankly. Well, you've got to prime the pump. 
You've got to use your brain and thank God that you're not lying on a bed of dry ice about to be dispatched into hell. You see, you can get thankful when you begin to think about what you might have been, what could have happened and what didn't, and how the grace and the mercy of God saved you from what might have been. You have a good look at hell and you'll start to appreciate heaven. See, we need to preach about hell so that we can appreciate heaven. If you've ever been on the brink of an awful thing and suddenly it doesn't happen, like driving down the street and suddenly those blue and red lights start flashing in the mirror behind you. Anybody experience that? And you start to tremble. You say, oh no, Jesus, please. The officer takes such a long time to come to the window. He prolongs the torture. Whilst you're waiting, you, you put your cell phone away. You make sure your seatbelt's fastened. You reach in the glove pocket to bring out the insurance card. Do you realize what speed you were doing, Mr. Stevens? Now, of course I don't, you idiot. Yeah, no, really, officer? I'm so sorry. You start to say sorry, and then you begin to blubber. And then, and then you begin to apologize again. <laughs> and he lingers. I'll be back in a minute, sir. He goes to his car, I don't know what for, just to prolong the agony. You begin to make God vows and promises, Lord, please, Jesus, I'll never drive again. Finally, he comes back and he says, this is just a warning. And you go, oh, can I kiss you, officer? You're so grateful. And that's just a hundred buck ticket. What about an eternal place with Jesus in the heavens on earth with a new function, a new joy, a new, a new body, a, a new everything? Let us give thanks to the Lord. Psalm Isaiah 29, verse 13, the prophet Isaiah complains with God in his heart. He said, this is a people who honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, priming the pump gets your heart engaged. It's not lip service. We will now sing hymn number 432, missing out verses 4, 6, and 11. Oh, it's the engagement of heart. And it begins with proper thanksgiving. Listen, we have so much to be grateful for. Well, the next spice is called stacte. There was a friend of ours called Alan. His wife's name was Linda, and they had their first little baby. And the baby died after a few days. We had this memorial funeral service for the baby. And Alan came with his wife carrying this pathetic little coffin down in between us. And as he got about halfway down, he began to sing from Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine. 
Though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields bear no grain, though the sheep be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. Can you imagine? We're all like wiped out. What is that? It's called stacte. Stacte was drawn from a little plant. I'll show you a picture of it. There it is. It was grown mostly in Persia, in Mesopotamia in those days. It was exported to India and to China and all over the world. And the way you got these perfume out of this plant was you just cut the stem downwards and then across, like a cross. And out of it would come these translucent, iridescent tears that dribbled down the stem. And you, when you caught it and then dried it and ground it into powder, if you would taste a little bit, it would be very bitter to the taste. But when you burned it, it has this exquisite perfume. Stacte. What makes you cry? There are tears of grief, tears of mourning, tears of disappointment, tears of frustration, tears of longing, tears of fulfillment, tears of joy. <laughs> when our daughter finally got her little baby, and I held him, I cried. Big grandpa tears. What makes you cry? Does God make you cry? In the prayer meeting this morning, just before the service at nine o'clock downstairs, there was a lady began to call on Jesus and she began to cry in prayer. Why is that? Oh, it's a little bit of stacte she's bringing on the incense of prayer. Some of you, even now, are feeling a tear behind your eye. See, tears are good. Tears cleanse. There are chemicals from pain and torture and from trauma that occurs in the circumstances of life that need to be released, and that chemical is poisonous. But when you cry, you release it. Sometimes, do you feel relieved to cry? Sometimes, do you feel such a bubbling up of joy? Though when you have that answer, when you hold that child, when that answer comes through, it just tickles down your face. I was in Israel one time, and somebody gave me a tear bottle. It's a very frail piece of glass shaped in this bottle. 
And to this day, Jews and Hebrews in the olden days, when something would happen, some grief, some pain, or some joy, they would, they would catch the tears in a bottle. Or they'd dab their eyes with a piece of lint and squeeze it. Because here was the memory of this loved one. And they'd capture the tears of grief. Put it on the mantelpiece in a place, place of honor that in that bottle represented my love for that person. Psalm 56 verse 8 talks about this very thing. You keep track of all my sorrows. Did you know God loves you so much that he keeps track of all your pains? You know, like a parent does. I mean, even now, with our grown-up children, some of them in their 50s, Penny and I, we, we keep track of what's going on in their life. And some of it's painful to them, and therefore it's painful to me as the parent. Don't you hate it when someone you love is in pain? Don't you empathize? Don't you cry with those that cry? Of course. And God does the same thing because he's the divine parent. Look at this. He keeps track of all my sorrows. Thank you, God. And you've collected my tears in your bottle. So God has this tear bottle. He collects your tears because you're so precious to him. And your tears are precious to him. Haven't you seen a mother when a child falls down and grazes its knees and comes bawling inside for mommy? Not daddy. Mommy. Mommy runs on my little sweetheart. Let me take away your tears. Oh, my sweetie. Mm -hmm. Where did she get that empathy from? She got it from the divine parent who is both male and female at the same time. He's a mother and a father. He mothers us. And he writes them in his book, it says. He catches them in his bottle, and then he writes the tears in a book. How can you write tears in a book? If you take up a, a book and you put tears on it, you get splodges on the paper. Well, do you know what God can do? Because he's God, he can pull out the meaning of the tear. He can pull out the substance, the cause, the fruit of what is inside the tear and write it in his book because he's precious to him. You know, nothing is lacking. Everything has meaning. And he turns what the devil meant for evil and he writes it in his book and says, see what I will do in your character, in your life, in your family. In your young age, in your middle age, in your old age, it's all working together. The tapestry of your life is being woven in faithfulness by a loving, faithful father. So don't despise your pains. Burn them on the altar of incense. David one time bought a piece of ground and as he went to buy it from a man called Arana in 2 Samuel 24, 24, 
The man said, oh, you can have it for free. You're David. You're David the king. I'll give you anything. And the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on buying it. I will not present burnt offerings, incense, spices, onica, stacte, galbanum, frankincense, salt to the Lord my God that has cost me nothing. In other words, David saw that sometimes there was a sacrifice in his worship. You know, when you bring stacte, if you bring it faithfully, having brought thanksgiving and now stacte, praise to God in the midst of tears, if you do it, it'll turn into galbanum, which is the next spice we look at. In Psalm 30, verse 11, David again put it this way, you will turn my mourning into joyful dancing. <laughs> I don't know how he does that. Have you mourned? Has it yet turned into joyful dancing? He will turn my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises, sacrificing praises, you might say, to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. And I will give you thanks forever. How long is forever? Forever. Well, this next spice is called galbanum. This is the main spice that is used with those oils, you know, we have. What are they called again? Uh, essential oils, yeah. This, galbanum is still to this day one of the... And it, it, it comes again from another plant that was also grown in Persia and exported all over the world. And um, the stem of the plant was rather like a rubber tree where you cut it and then you put a cup underneath of it and it dribbles down in this oozing, sticky, white substance. And then every day, you know, you'd farm it and that became rubber. Well, it was not rubber. It, it's called galbanum. But it was a similar thing and it, it just you just cut it. You hardly touched it. Actually, you could scrape it with your nail and just on the stem that you see there and just scrape it with your nail, just a little touch and immediately it would ooze out all sticky and oozy. It's an irrepressible overflow. You see, the thanksgiving, the onica, the... The praise, the stacte, leads into galvanum. I, I don't spontaneously overflow with oozing praise and worship to God, do you? I, I, I have to come into that somehow. Maybe I'm stubborn, but I'm getting softer. But I want what I see in the Word of God here. I want it so that you just touch me and oozing out comes all my complaint, my negativity, and my sorrow, and my upset with God, and my offense with people. No! You just touch me. Ooh, beautiful fragrance. Out comes the galvanum. Oozing, worshiping, kneeling, crying, clapping, silenced. 
I can hardly breathe. <laughs> Do you want that? Oh, God, give us this Galpana. Give it to me, Lord. Not just on Sunday morning, but I want to find it in the living room and lay down on the carpet and say, Oh, Galbanum, 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 Galbanum. More, Lord. I want that to be the spontaneous cry of my heart. It's not a practice. It's a revelation. When you worship you're savoring Christ. And when you're savoring the majesty, the beauty of God in his word and in nature and in life, the savoring leads to celebration. It's called galbanum. And it's for all of us. It's not for the spiritual ones. <laughs> it's not one for the old ones or the young ones. The Bible tells us young ones and old ones were born in him. All my seeds of joy are in him, in him. Young ones and old ones. Aren't you glad the young ones downstairs are being taught how to worship? Maybe some of the young ones will teach some of the old ones. Bring it on, I say. It's this oozing, this spontaneous overflow. I want my, I know my spirit's there, but my spirit gets suffocated by the trials and the negativities and the worries and the anxieties. If I could just throw them off, do you know what would happen? Galbanum would ooze out of me. I just began, oh, Ramasotiria Kasa. God is great in all his ways. He's just in all his doings. It would just flow. And it's he who gets the glory. You see, when you worship, you love. And when you love, you give pleasure to God. It's possible for this created being to give pleasure, to disturb the very emotions of the uncreated God. What? When you worship, you give pleasure. And when you give pleasure, you glorify him. I want in my life for that to be the main thing, that I could pleasure God. I know this, that when my children bought me pleasure, which was frequent, it gave me pleasure. And when I got pleasure from my children, it made me want to give them pleasure back. And when they got pleasure back, they began to please me more. Thank you, Daddy. And in my joy of the pleasure that I'm experiencing in my children, I give them more pleasure, and then they give me more pleasure, and so it builds. It's galbanum, irresistible pleasure. You think, oh, yeah, not being realistic. No, this is, this is what God said. This is for you, for me, for us together. 
John 4.14, Jesus puts it this way. But those who drink this water, as he spoke to this lady who was thirsty for God, having her very first taste of Jesus, her very first taste. He says, those who drink this water that I will give will never be thirsty again, provided they keep drinking. It's not one sip and that's it, I'm done forever. No, it's, it's consistent drinking. But if you consistently drink, you'll never thirst out of, for anything else. And it becomes inside of you, in your spirit, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, bubbling up into eternal life. You've got a bubble inside you. Put your hand on your tummy and say, bubble, 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 bubble. Saying it will be like priming the pump. And it bubbles up into eternal life. Out of your innermost being, John 7, 37, Jesus, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of bubble, 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 bubble. Bubbling up. Oh, galbanum, galbanum, galbanum. Bubble, 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 bubble. More bubble, 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 bubble. You go out on Monday morning, you say, I'm bubbling. You'll have a great day. You'll bubble over all the anxieties. You'll bubble over all that boss's difficulties. <laughs> Grind it into small parts so you've got a little bit every day. Mix it all together. Sometimes I'm crying. Sometimes I'm laughing. Sometimes I'm clapping. Sometimes I'm silent. Mix it all up together with the perfumer's instructions. Now I'm giving thanks. You can do this. Did you know that you were created firstly for the worship of God? When you worship, you're being your true self. There's a scripture that says that Moses died at the lips of God. Interesting praise. He died kissing. <laughs> Would you like to die kissing? Stalin, by the testimony of Svetlana, his daughter, who was in the room as Stalin died, he cried out, darkness, darkness, more darkness, cover me with darkness, and died. Last words. If I should die before you, let it be kissing, 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 kissing. He died at the lips of God, and they never found his body. The frankincense is not a song. The frankincense speaks of obedience. Frankincense and myrrh. Frankincense, not Frankenstein. Frankincense was this picture of obedience to God. It's a life of death to resurrection so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, my worship is my lifestyle of frankincense. It's out of the public meeting. 
It's a song in your heart which translates to living the Christian life before men and women on your daily task. It's a life of worship. It's life on wings. And salt is simply to preserve it. It's a preservative that makes the whole thing taste even better. It speaks of this as a lifetime pattern. It's not just tomorrow because we've had a little bit of instruction from the Word of God, good though that is, but that it's then a determination with salt that I'm going to preserve this Word in my heart, that here it is. It's the Word of God which is eternal. It's not just a man talking about it. It's coming from the Word of God. Therefore, it's permanent and it's resident in me. And I say, Lord, give me grace now to walk it for the rest of my life. He died. Kissing. Could we have the worship team come back up, please?